This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. So that was great to hear just then a little bit about your story. So you were just sharing uh, straight away that you're from a musical background, uh, a musical family with mm-hmm. your dad. And you've got other family members, haven't you, involved in, in music? It was always something that was always around for you. Yeah. So actually, my very, very first memory, I was about two. I think I was about two. And I used to sit in the wings of theatre clubs. You guys know, because this is, this is Lancashire, isn't it? So over in Yorkshire, we have a lot of social clubs. And we have something called a club turn. Anybody know what a club turn is? That's my dad. So I grew up watching him on stage. And he's Irish. He was born in a traveling show. So he was the youngest of nine. They traveled in a fleet of caravans around Ireland, entertaining locals. This is before uh, TV was mainstream. So maybe one person in the village would have had a TV. Everyone went to see live entertainment. So all my dad's family, all of them were kind of rooted in show business. And they did it for their supper, literally, just to live. That's amazing. And then when it came into the next generation, like, um, I know like your brother and your cousins and, and stuff like that got, got involved in, in pop music. Could you tell me a little bit about that? I feel like everybody just grew up with it. We just grew up with, you know, Christmas or family gatherings. Everyone would just have a sing song. You'd have to get up and, and do a turn yourself. So I, I was raised in that and so was everyone else. So my brother joined a band when he was about 16. He played bass in a band called Jamiroquai and, um, they, were incredible they toured the world they won every award grammys moon men mtv brit awards everything um so i I kind of i was inspired to see that that was possible that you could end up having an impact on lots of people and my cousins were in a band called embrace as well um who remembers if you're my age you remember embrace don't you they were like the Yorkshire Oasis, weren't they? They yeah. were two brothers and the whole <laughs> That's right, yeah. De- deal, yeah. And Jamiroquai were one of the biggest like, single bands ever in Britain. Oh, they've had so many yeah. ting- singles, it was unbelievable. Stuart, I'll be honest, Stuart was one of my absolute favourite bass players. This is unbelievable. Your brother, he played on the first two Jamiroquai yeah. records. Who remembers those records? They were Jamiroquai's best records. I'm not yeah. just saying this because you're here. Oh, I know. But they were, true. they were phenomenal. And that, <laughs> yeah. so that, that was an amazing thing uh, growing up. So yeah. did, did seeing some of that and being around that, I mean, we've all got a friend who, you know, plays a piano or has got one in the back, uh, back of the house or whatever. But, you know, seeing people succeed in music and, and do it at that level. And uh, what did that do to you, you know, growing up through that and as a teenager and seeing that? How, how did you make sense of that? What did that start in you? Well, I mean, I felt like, I always felt like music was going to be a part of my life and that's all I ever really wanted to do from being really, really small. And I think that affected in some ways my school career, my school journey, because I really struggled in a lot of other areas. So I actually found just academic stuff really challenging and I started suffering with depression and anxiety when I was about 13. All I really wanted to do was lock myself in a room and write songs and go into a big building like that with these thousand other kids. Um, it was just, it just seemed like be- being dropped in the middle of the ocean without any kind of a flotation device. So I was scared and I really struggled with my anxiety at that point. And uh, my school attendance at the age of 13, 14 was less than 40%. Wow. So, you know, and this time of year always brings it back for me because like the first week of school would be amazing you've got your new shoes you've got new stuff to take in but then the nights draw in and it starts to get a bit overwhelming yeah. so with that going on in your life you 
you got to the point where you found faith in Jesus. How, how did that come about? Well, so I, le- I left school at 16 with no plan, really, other than to try and pursue music. I'd been writing songs all the time. I think I had about 60 or 70 songs at that point, and I was a shy person. You know, people think that if you get up and sing that you're an extrovert, but it's not always the case. Um, on stage, I feel like I'm, I know what to, to expect. I know what's expected of me, but I was quite shy. So um, I really struggled when I left school to put myself out there and go to auditions and, and apply for things. And I joined college, and for a little while, it was okay. But then the anxiety and depression really sort of resurged. Mm. And it became, it became so bad that I just wasn't able to go anymore. So I dropped out of college and spent just a few years floating around thinking, what am I going to do with my life? A lot of time in front of the TV watching Jeremy Kyle and Bargain Hunt. I know, you know, when you want to be cheered up, that's not always the way to go. (laughs) 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 Not always the best snapshot of life, uh, Jeremy Kyle. No offense to him. Um, But yeah, I just, I didn't know what I was going to do. And what happened was I actually ended up dating a guy in Lancashire, believe it or not. And I spent a lot of time in Preston, a lot of time in in, uh, places like Bamba Bridge and Clitheroe and places like that. Um, And I just used to hang out with him. But the relationship wasn't very healthy. You know, I, th- I think when you've got mental health problems, it's, it's not easy to have good relationships. Right, and, yeah. and he wasn't in a good place either. So between us, we, were, we weren't in a great place. And then one day I just met these Christians. And um, one of them was a guy called Rue who was a guitarist. We used to do an open mic night together. And we got to know each other. And he was like right at the beginning of his faith journey. So he was so excited. And he was like, have you heard about this? And have you heard about Bible? Have you heard about Alpha Courses? Have you heard about this? And he just kind of dragged me along to a few things. And eventually I found myself in a little church in Sheffield, which is where we sort of live now. And had this moment where I walked in there. A guy my dad's age was playing the guitar, leading worship on his own, just with an electric guitar. And he was singing songs about Jesus. And I'd never been in an environment like the one we were just in this morning. I'd never seen worship. I'd never been around it. And I just felt something so exciting. Um, scary, a bit unfamiliar. But when, when Godfrey Bertel, his name was, the worship leader, some of you might know him. When Godfrey was singing about Jesus, I just sort of felt, I actually felt a cascade of of all my current emotions just kind of hit me. And I was like, oh, I'm, doing, I'm not doing very well with my life. I don't know what I'm going to do with my future. My parents are having a hard time. I'm in debt. I've just come out of this horrible relationship. I just felt completely lost. And it all hit me in that one moment. And I just thought, maybe if Jesus is real, I should just ask him to show up in my life and prove it. And then... Um, it was such a broken moment, really. I, I just sort of said, I, I don't know what to do with my life, but I'm happy to give it to you if you're real. <laughs> and if you really can give me a, a new start, that's what I need. That's what I need right now. So I prayed that little prayer, and that's where this whole faith journey began. That's amazing. And um, so as that journey began, like music was something that was in your heart, something that were you doing. Did those things grow together? How, how did that work as you, you started to um, discover your faith, but you were also a, a songwriter, a performer? Did, did music and, and your faith come together at that point? Or? It was a bit of a journey, and it was quite a tension, because um, 
trying to seek success in the music industry hadn't been doing me any good, to be honest, because I was going to auditions, I was suffering a lot of rejection. It's, it's a really, really tough industry if you've got low self-esteem. It's not <laughs> at all like the ideal career. So, Which is everybody in the music industry. True. It's weird, <laughs> isn't it, how everybody, these sensitive characters are thrown into this kind of bear pit with the music industry. Um, so I, you know, I really struggled with it at first and I sort of let go of it. I sort of said, I don't know if I can do this, to be honest. I don't know if I can be a musician. But the songs just came to me. The songs started to come. And when I think, when you've got a song in your heart, whatever that is, you just want to share it. And so I started sharing my story. I started touring churches and just giving my, my testimony, really. And it ended up being my sort of full-time job. That's amazing. Yeah. So let's just fast forward and, and give people a picture. So like from that point, it's become your full-time job. What are some of the things that you've you've done, you've been able to create, you've been able to sort of achieve on the journey. Could you just like, in a couple of sentences, give us a picture of like, what, what does life look for you, look like for you now after those uh, years of, of being involved and, and being an artist and, and doing that full time? So I became a Christian. I began that journey in 2004 and I started writing songs and, and journeying through that straight away. And I did the Alpha course. I'm really glad you guys are doing that because I think even if, you, if you're new, if you're brand new to church or whether you've been going for a little while, it's just so good. It's so informative and, and fantastic. Um, so I just started to tour and I was waitressing full time as well for a while. Got too busy doing music to do that. So I could lay down the waitressing, which was great. Um, and then I actually up to that was how old was I when that happened? I was I was 21. I was 21 when I gave my life to Jesus. And then the kind I just toured and toured and toured and literally played everywhere. I played nearly a thousand shows. And then I got invited to go on tour with Lionel Richie in 2012, um, which led to other things like I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's also like a club turn, but he's right. <laughs> like a big American one. Okay. Um, yeah, so I went on tour with him and that ended up making me um, available for other things. Like I went on tour with people like Leona Lewis and, and Little Mix was a recent one. Um, so it, I don't know how that happened, by the way. It just kind of happened. <laughs> um, I just got the invitation and looked at it and thought, I think I'm going to say yes to this. <laughs> That's cool. Like, I, I really wanted to ask you about that, how yeah, that... Yeah. Um, what it's like being in that space and being on that kind of level of an arena tour and being part of the whole wagon, the whole production that is a little mixed tour going around Europe or something like that. So, I mean, first of all, you must have some good stories. I mean, it'd be great to hear some of the thought behind it and some of the... But there must be, like, some stories from some of the tours. Have you got, have you got any um, well, that are appropriate? <laughs> there's loads of stories, but... Um... It's amazing how you, you sort of feel like you get put in this situation. You can't believe it. You can't believe you walk in backstage at the O2 Arena and Lionel's people are everywhere. He's got eight lorries outside. With, you know, he's, he's transformed a gym changing room into like the most beautiful, bougie penthouse suite somehow. Like, they stuck all of Ikea in there and made it look beautiful. And um, I was just so excited to get the chance to meet him because I love Lionel. And so we did meet, we met a few times at the like, backstage situation. But then this thing happened, like this is kind of a sad story really, but um, my parents got a call 
And they were asked if they wanted to go down to the one show and talk about the fact that I was on tour with Lionel because my dad in his club turn days once introduced Lionel on stage with the Commodores like decades ago. So there was this like story happening. So my mum and dad got invited onto the one show and my mum was like so nervous. She got a new leather jacket. She was so cute. (laughs) She had her hair done. She honestly just looked so cute. And my dad took his guitar just in case he got asked to do a song. (laughs) And um, But Lionel, Lionel can talk. So they asked him a few questions and he just went on and on and on. And I'm in the green room and the credits roll, and they just didn't have time for my mum and dad's segment. And honestly, it was like seeing your kids, it was like seeing your kids' school <laughs> recital get cancelled or something. It was awful, and I cried so hard. I was so gutted for them. But then it's amazing how like God works in all things. And my mother-in-law said to me, now don't worry, love, it's all going to turn out great. And just hang in there. And, um, and what happened? She, she's Swedish. <laughs> um, she, no, she, she's not really. <laughs> um, so what happened was Lionel felt so bad. He saw it all unfold that he invited us to like a private little tea party. Wow. And, um, and just made a massive fuss of my dad and totally pretended to remember him, which <laughs> he definitely didn't. And um, wow. was just, you know, it was a really good moment. But apart from that, you know... Yeah. Most people that have been on tour with have been super nice and encouraging. Little mix are lovely. Very messy, though. Um, (laughs) Messy and loud. We're very nice. (laughs) That's cool. I mean, I'm really interested to hear your approach for it because you you had your husband, Joel, with you, didn't you, doing those tours. Um, We're talking this year uh, in our Life Church community about being good neighbors. What does that look like to be good neighbors as a community and in our communities? If Jesus said that, the first part is to love God and the second is like it, to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we say, well, what does that look like? And I'm mm. really trying to be conscious of the fact that we should be connecting meaningfully with other people and with what is happening in culture, not just doing our own little Christian thing and then we go off and do this whatever for the rest of the week. So when you're walking into those spaces, um, you and Joel, your, your faith in Jesus is, is central to your lives and it's a mission, it's a calling. I know that from seeing what you're doing, from talking to you. And when you walk into that space and people have a different agenda, a different mission, different requirements, different pressures, how do you approach it? What have you talked about and, and how do you approach that? As, how can we be good neighbours in, in that space? Maybe you don't use that language, but... How do you approach it, and have you seen anything good come of that? Any any good conversations, any good moments, anything that that's maybe you've been able to do in that space? Mm. Yeah, it's been uh, the moment you set foot into into a tour, and the tour the touring company will include a crew, the sound people, the lighting people, the caterers, um, p- the riggers, people doing all these different jobs, and uh, you, you're immediate, immediately in that like community of people. And we always find on day one, it's a little bit frosty and you kind of have to make an extra effort, make sure you introduce every, yourself to everybody. And, but over time, it's amazing how just a bit of kindness and just being yourself, being authentic, it really does make a difference. And people do notice, people do sort of notice that you come to work, essentially, yeah. with some, an extra little spring in your step and a bit of purpose. And I always share my story um, on stage. So I, t- I talk between songs and I talk about my journey with self-esteem, my journey with mental health. And that honesty, truth, essentially, that honesty 
just breaks down so many walls. And I try to think, because I'm not from a church background, when there's a room full of people, like there is right now, I don't sort of try and make any sort of assumptions about where they are in their journey, whether they're Christians or not Christians. I don't feel that's my job. I feel like my job is to share my faith in love with them and let God do the rest and let God take it from there. Um, so, and, but some amazing things have happened. I've, I think I've managed to talk to everybody that I've toured with about my faith. And um, I gave a copy of my book to Little Mix and I gave them all a necklace. I used to sell these necklaces that were made by a fantastic charity that rescues girls from tra- being trafficked in Burma. Wow. And they were so moved by that. And um, there was a song called I Am Amazing that I've been singing for a long time about my journey with the music industry. And, uh, you know, things like that, they are universal. And even if you're a megastar, megastar with all the money and fame and, and favor with men, all of that stuff, you, you still suffer with things like self-esteem issues and you still suffer with self-doubt. And so you might look at a girl group like Little Mix and just think they're untouchably confident, but behind the scenes, they're just girls, you know, with their hair up and... And face masks on and, you know, just worrying if that was a good gig or not. You know, did we go down all right? And you just think, it's really, people are just people. That's great. I think that's really good. Um, So, recently you've been um, more and more active, you know, online and connecting with people Mm. that I've noticed. One of the things you've been doing is um, uh, making some covers of, like, popular songs and things like that. And it's kind of snowballed a little bit hasn't it and it kind of got a life of its own so can you tell us a a little bit about that yeah so i love youtube anybody youtube fans anyone it's amazing you could find anything from people making slime to diy dresses and makeup and stuff um so i'm a little bit addicted to youtube because i just find it a lot of fun and i decided on january 1st that i was gonna upload every single day this year so i think today is 251 or something um and i've managed to do it every single day um but what i wanted to do was share just an inspirational thought for the day so i could be talking about fear talking about rejection or you know the things you experience like awful things that happen on stage or embarrassing things you say at the front of church or all these things i just collected up and tried to share something every day so we've, we've actually got a little clip of one of these, okay. so that might be good to see. Oh, this see. is going to be so embarrassing, I'm not watching. <laughs> and then you guys can get a feel of that. So we've got the, uh, a little Inspiration 365 clip, so let's have a look at that now. Hey guys, Philip Hanna here, and welcome to Inspiration 365. Sometimes it's what we don't say that defines us. Hey guys, hope you're having a really good day wherever you are. I am a talker. Newsflash. Yeah, I'm here every day and I like to talk through things. I'm an external processor. I'm not always an extrovert, but I do like to talk things through. It helps me process. But one of the things I've been learning is that it's really important not to develop a negative narrative of your own life. Because I like to talk about my struggles, my problems, and my triumphs, sometimes the tone of what I'm talking about can start to be a little bit negative just because I'm externally processing, which is fine. But I've made a decision that there are some things I will never say out loud. I'm never going to say that I'm a failure because I'm not a failure. Failure sometimes happens, as someone very aptly put recently, failure is an event. 
not a person. So even though sometimes I might fail in various areas of my life, I am not going to be defined by that. So really all I'm saying today is it's really important what language you use to talk about yourself, to talk about your own life. Try not to use phrases like, I never get the job, I never get the girl, I'm always the bridesmaid, never the bride. It's so important not to keep using these phrases about yourself because the past doesn't define what's going to happen in your future. Today, choose not to use a narrative which makes you feel down and makes other people view you in a certain way. Sure, be open about what you're going through, but make sure you don't confess negatively all the time. People don't always need to know about the things in your life that aren't going well. Develop a positive narrative and things might just begin to change. Thank you so much for joining me today on Inspiration365. Really hope you've enjoyed this. If you did, hit like, subscribe, and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Over and out. Awesome. So, that was embarrassing. <laughs> Normally, when I... Normally when I watch that, it's just me and my dog in front of the computer, so... But there yeah. you go. So, <laughs> but you manage to do that every day, which is anyone who's ever made anything um, knows that is an achievement in itself. But um, who, who are you doing this for? Like, what's your, your thought behind it? Really, it's, it's for anybody who needs to check in on a daily basis and get something positive, because I just feel like the world is so full of not just negative stuff, but just stuff that we don't need to be influenced by, but we are. And it's, it's kind of unavoidable. And so I think that the only way to tackle it is to, is to come at that with something positive in response. That's, that's why I think like we don't sort of win our battle with self-esteem once and for all, because the negative forces don't ever stop playing their game. So we, we kind of have to come regularly at those things. So that was my thinking. But I did almost give up on February 24th. And uh, that was because I guess we were sort of 50-something days in. And I, I was losing subscribers. So I was thinking, oh, I've made a huge mistake. The people who watch my music don't want to hear this stuff. And I felt like, oh, gosh, I'm really wasting my time. I'd stayed up till 3 a.m. editing the video the night before and woken up to have lost subscribers was so discouraging. Um, but then I just had this idea to upload a cover of an Ed Sheeran song. And the song was going to be a little different. I was going to take the lyrics to the song Perfect and just kind of change them up a little bit and give it a gospel message. Um, and I put it on Facebook and it, it went viral. It was insane. I've never experienced anything like that. It was really, really weird, actually, because suddenly all these thousands of people were talking about me like I wasn't there. It was like watching through the window at like a party where people have been invited to just talk about you. And some of it was yeah. good and some of it wasn't good, but um, yeah. most of it was good. <laughs> How many views has that had now across all platforms? I don't know exactly, but the, the original video had 9 million views. And then an American page picked it Say up. Say that again. Nine million, yeah. Um, That's not bad. That was the original page. I think page. I've done a few. They've had about 102 <laughs> views. Well, it, it's interesting. It shows you the power of like putting something in the right place at the right time. Because on, on uh, my own channel, it had about 4,000 views, which was pretty good. Yeah. But when it hit this page, which was an Italian worship page... Um, it just went viral in Italy, and then it got picked up by a Philippines page, and then it got picked up by an American page, and that one had more than 20 million views. And then an African page picked it up, and it had a million views on there, and then someone translated it into French, 
and it had nearly a million views on there. So it just it just went ridiculously viral. So it's literally viral. tens of millions of people have now seen you yeah. singing this, it's so this weird. cover that you just kind of thought, maybe I'll give up, maybe I'll upload this thing. Yeah, I was so down. Crazy. that Honestly, on, on the 24th, of, I just thought, what I'm doing is not reaching people. And it was like breaking through that wall. Maybe that's one of the messages we, we're here to share today is, is that wall where it's like the pain barrier of your faith journey and you just feel like you can't go any further. And it's like right beyond that is this incredible increase and an incredible yeah, breakthrough. Um, and so, and that is what happened. And it was, it was crazy. It had nearly a million shares. Wow. I, like, I can't even imagine a million people. Mm. It's, like, it's like five, six times Glastonbury. Yeah, it's like Sheffield or something where you yeah. live. Like, it's crazy. It's like... Wow. And what, like, have you had any, like, certain reaction for that or any, seen anything positive, like, coming from that or... Well, if you want to see, just up? go on to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see it all. You'll see everything from you've ruined my life to um, this has saved my life. Actually, the, the week that we released it, um, a lady got in touch with us to say that she'd just tragically lost her son really suddenly in an accident and that this song had just reached her exactly the moment she needed it. She just wow. hit it on, on Facebook, listened to it, and she said it was like God had really spoken to her. Um, and then I've had other random things like people wanting to send me stuff they've made for me and just yeah. like <laughs> not nice stuff. And um, yeah, and some people who were really kind of hateful and that's also been a part of the journey as well, sort of learning that it's not my job to decide people's reactions but just to do what I feel I'm called to do and and then you know again the rest is it's over to God then I've done my bit and and it'll land where it needs to land hopefully that's <laughs> that's so good um is there anything more you want to um maybe add there I think that's brilliant but about handling criticism because obviously mm. particularly when you put yourself into the online space like that is somewhere yeah. where you're basically inviting it mm. and um how do you deal with that? Especially as someone who's like openly said, my journey has been one of like dealing with insecurity yeah. and, and, and other thoughts of that nature. But, you know, every one of us um, have that problem with criticism. We might not have, you know, tens of millions of people looking at what we're doing, but even like an awkward conversation at work, a difficult thing with a family member, somebody replying to something on Facebook can, can ruin your day, you know. And, but also those of us who, who want to step out and we want to do things, and we maybe think that God's put something in our heart, but but that criticism is a, is a barrier for people. Is there, is there anything that you've found and you're working through, and what helps you in, to do that and to just keep going? I, honestly, we could do a whole morning on this, probably a whole week. I actually made a video, and if you feel like you want to listen a bit more about this, I made a video about the five types of, of hater that you cool. that you find yeah, online cool. and their different motivations and the different responses because they're not all the same you know some people are just genuinely feel like you've genuinely offended them and they want to let you know some people are just doing it for entertainment um some people have a personal issue with you because of of jealousy or because you didn't return their call by accident one day or you just there's so many different types of uh, but i think what has really helped me and actually the viral video has, has helped with this it's just to realize that, you know, people often when they're responding to you, they're not really responding to you. They're responding to a projection of what they think you are. Yeah. And so um, you, you have to really root yourself in knowing that 
God sees your heart and he knows your character. And, um, and the people around you who really truly matter, usually they know you properly as well. And they see where you're coming from because we all make mistakes as well, you know. I'm sure I've said stuff in these videos which hasn't been right. It wouldn't be human to, to get it right all the time. Sure. Um, which, again, I think is why it's just good to know that you're covered by God's grace. And if you can Absolutely. keep you, if your intentions are good, that's what really, really matters. Yeah, that's brilliant. Perfect can be the enemy of done, can't it? Or... Oh, my goodness. If I, I, I am a perfectionist. Um, but I sort of realized that if I, didn't, if I wasn't satisfied to put my imperfect works out there, I would never do anything. 100%. And there's something to be said for the fact that the viral video I made cost me nothing, um, was done in my living room, well, my dining room, with, you know, one camera, a backing track I downloaded for 79 pence. And, you know, was, we did it all ourselves. And we've spent money on music videos, we've done all sorts, and it's just like, sometimes it's that, like, it's that imperfect, slightly messy, real side of us that people connect with the most. Yeah, that's brilliant. So um, the song you sang earlier is from your new album, wasn't it? Or your latest yeah. album, Comeback Fighting, which I have here. And uh, it's available on resources. And resources today um, is totally uh, opened for Philippa's uh, stuff so you can go there straight away and find that and Philippa will be around to uh, sign things and, and all that kind of thing afterwards if you want to do that and say hello but not hear your life story because she's got hundreds of people waiting to uh, uh, grab the stuff so uh, that'd be great so can you tell us a little about the record like you said earlier there's a bit of a Nashville influence on mm, it but yeah. it's still got um, the pop sensibility that kind of marks all your records is still there as well so what um Tell us a bit about the process behind the record and, and what the record is and who might connect with it. Yeah, so, again, so my journey as a Christian musician has been a really interesting one because I wasn't raised in church, so I didn't know what Christian music was supposed to sound like. And I was brand new to that scene and was just influenced by the music I enjoy. Um, and what has happened is I've ended up telling stories through songs and not really fitting in one particular category. And so I've ended up having to walk this journey of kind of that, that sort of is my brand. My brand is that I don't fit into any particular brand. <laughs> um, but I feel like I'm happy to tell that story because I think we all kind of don't fit into the brand. We're all totally unique. And, mm. and it's, you know, we feel like even in, in my mind's eye, sometimes you think, I'm going to a church. I'm going to sing to some Christians. But every single person in the room is completely different, in a completely different place, yeah. individuals. Um, and so this, the album Comeback Fighting was me. I went to Nashville, and I met with every single Christian label in Nashville, and they all wow. passed on me. So they, <laughs> All of them. So um, they all showed a real interest, but they kept trying to make me write these songs that were not me. And I wasn't being rebellious. I tried. I went to all the writing sessions. <laughs> I really, really tried. But it just came out feeling not authentic and sounding not like me. And so I actually had this moment where I just thought, well, I've got a bit of a crossroads here. I can either quit because I'm, I feel super discouraged or I can come back fighting and I can tell the story. And I can tell people that, you know, you're here to make a difference by being who you are, not anyone else. Not someone's idol of what they think you should be. 
um, some avatar of what's, what sells and what's interesting, but we're just here to be ourselves. And I think, you know, you're saying about being a good neighbor. One of the things that I've, I've always pictured since my first church experience uh, is that we just, we are custom built for the people God sends us. You know, where you are in your community, your neighborhood, your school, your, your workplace, you're there and you are who you are to reach the people that you're being sent to. So it would be a huge mistake to completely change to look like or sound like or act like or think like what you think a Christian should be. Mm. So, um, so yeah, that's what Comeback Fighting's about. That's the album. Very cool. So just finally, because we want to hear more of your music uh, today. So um, you've brought this book as well. This is your second book, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Following the breadcrumbs. And um, there's a bit about your journey and your story mm-hmm. in here, isn't there? So maybe people who are, who are connecting with some of the things you've been sharing or maybe they know somebody and they think they would benefit from that. Would this be a, a good way to, um, to bring some of those themes out for them? Yeah. It was really a night and day experience for me starting my faith journey. So I was in a super, super dark place, prayed this really clumsy prayer of God, please, will you help me and prove that you're real? And everything started to change. It was like this massive life makeover, clear out. Most of what was going on in my life, I left behind, started completely over um, and found myself meeting this incredible pastor's son who decided I was the one, like, the first time he met me. <laughs> there he is. It's Joel. Um, and I truly did not feel worthy or good enough for a, a man who'd, who'd grown up in church and who'd always, every Sunday, played drums and watched Veggie Tales when I was watching Little Mermaid. <laughs> and <laughs> I just didn't feel like I was good enough. But even in that, God has really taken me on a journey of understanding grace and what it is to be a new creation. And, and through Joel, really showed me that. So the, the book is actually, it shows you a bit of the, where I was in the dark place, the night of the prayer, and then all the little things that began to unfold. And I actually kept a list of them as they were happening because I couldn't believe it. You know, like it happens to you guys probably all the time. And sometimes we forget how incredible it is. When you think about something and then someone just comes up to you and says, I've got a scripture for you and it's spot on. Or you find a scripture in your word for today and then you go to church and that's the the scripture that someone's using in their message. That to me, as as a non-believer, that never happened. (laughs) But as a believer, it started to happen every day. And to me, that was the proof that God was really speaking to me. So I just kept a list of stuff and there's some great stuff in there. My parents ended up both following, you know, the path and ending up going on Alpha and also getting saved. Um, I don't want to do all the spoilers, but, um, you know, it was the most incredible thing to watch what unfolded because my father-in-law is our pastor, Joel's dad, and he, he led the Alpha course, which my dad went to, and I stayed completely out of it because I promised my dad I wouldn't preach at him anymore and I wouldn't try and you know, go on and on about Jesus and stuff. And I'd stop wearing fish necklaces around him. (laughs) Um, And so he did the Alpha course in his own time, on his own terms. And it was just the most incredible thing to get the call that Joel's dad had prayed for my dad. And he just fell to his knees, wept, asked Jesus into his life. Um, Isn't that amazing that he did that? That he used Joel's dad? (laughs) 
I just, I still can't believe it. It's amazing. Brilliant. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.